swaying. Ownership of the knife has made Ben the envy of the other boys at Lokeel's one-room school. Many was the afternoon after class when they gathered around him for a demonstration and a chance to gawk at the forbidden. These entertainments have continued into the summer vacation, but they will end soon. Next month, after a year in his uncle's care, Ben will rejoin his mother, stepfather, and older brother, Geoffrey, in Tucson, where he is to begin high school. This isn't something he's looking forward to, not because he dislikes school, he is in fact an eager student, but because he doesn't get along with his stepfather, a Southern Pacific supervisor named Rudy Hollister. Skinny legs spread. Ben flips the knife into the ground a few inches from his right foot, then stretches his legs farther and plants his foot next to the knife, buried up to the dancing girl's neck. He is almost doing the splits. He can't move another inch, so he pulls his legs together, withdraws the knife, and begins again. The justice folds the newspaper, swings his feet off the rail, and looks at his nephew. One of these days, you are going to stick that thing clear through your foot, he says slowly and deliberately, as if he's passing sentence in his courtroom. Yes, sir. What do you mean? Yes, you are going to stick yourself in the foot? Ben pauses a moment, tips his hat back with two fingers as he's seen the cowhands do, and grins his peculiar grin. It slashes across his face like a soldier's hash mark and is often misinterpreted by those who don't know him well. To them, it looks like a sneer, cocky, even a little cruel. I did not mean that at all, he says. I'm too accurate with it to stick myself. Right glad you are so confident, Joshua says arching his sandy brown eyebrows. He squints at the sun, which is swinging from east to southeast over the far blue ranges of the Sonora. Your uncle's favorite refreshment needs replenishment. Seeing as how you have got so much free time, take a ride over to Esteban's for me. Esteban's is a cantina in Santa Cruz, a small pueblo some six or seven miles over the border. In Joshua's estimation, the tequila sold there is superior to the brands peddled in Lochiel's saloons. Raw, smuggled hooch, suitable for the uneducated palates of cowboys and miners, but not for a discriminating man such as himself. I'll saddle Maggie right away, Ben replies. Any chance to ride his pinto mare is welcome. He collects the money from his uncle and starts toward the livery stables. Joshua watches him walk away, the shirt billowing as if it were hanging from a coat hanger, empty of flesh and bone. He's grown close to Ben in the past year, closer than he wanted to, and tries not to think about the boy's departure. He'd become accustomed to loneliness. When Ben came to live with him, 
Nine years had passed since he buried Gabriella and the infant son who'd died with her, strangled by the umbilical cord, hanged by the organ that had sustained him in the womb. That was in Nogales, where Joshua had been serving as postmaster. After the funeral, he returned home and opened the door, and the silence inside seemed to lunge at him as if alive. He walked out, abandoning everything he and Gabriella had owned, and never went back. No, the silence in this house will not be half so dreadful when Ben leaves for Tucson, but it will take some getting used to. Hattie had written him last summer. There's nothing we can do with him, and this is the last straw. For some petty slight.